Let's pray this morning before we get uh, rolling. Um, Father, right now we ask that you would take your word here, Father, uh, Lord, and make it a lamp before our feet, God, that you would guide us and what you would have us take away from it, Father. And Lord, you would bring enlightenment to us, God, so that we would walk away having known a piece of you more, God. Father, we realize and recognize all scriptures so that we may know you, God. And Father, our hope is that you may know us. And Lord, we, we place that all upon you in faith and believe in Jesus' name. And the whole church this morning says, Amen, Amen. Well, let's get rolling with the Word of God this morning. We have some lengthy text, and, and I think it'll just be good for us just to get rolling. Exodus chapter 7. You need your Bibles. You want to pull those things out. Guys, it is always going to be good to bring your Bibles and to have those things. We need people. Uh, the, the Lord wants people who know Him, and to know Him is to know His Word. John's, John's Gospel proclaims that Jesus was the Word. Well, if you want to know Jesus, you want to know Jesus, you need to know His, his Word. It's, it's important, guys. Very, very important. All right. Exodus chapter 7, 8 through 13. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When Pharaoh says to you, Prove yourselves by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, Take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh, that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did as just the Lord has commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts, for each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Still Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. So it starts, it, it, it starts with the staff, with what Moses has in his hands. And we, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that this is how God works, by using, by using what he's already given you. It starts here. And what does God do? He uses the staff for signs and wonders, turning it into some sort of snake. And, and think about that. It went from being an inanimate object, right, to a living, breathing creature. This is interesting because apparently the Egyptian, the, the Egyptian magicians right, were on point that day because they were able to mimic the miracle of God. Their staffs turned into snakes as well, right? Now listen, I can understand how imitating God can somehow limit your belief. You ever think about it? I mean, I, I think miracles happen all the time. And we just don't see them because we as, 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 as human beings have become very, very advanced. There's a lot of things that we can technologically do these days. And, and I'm absolutely sure that God heals so many people, but I am also sure that God has given us the knowledge of medicine, which has also healed many people as, as well. While we, we, we don't want to confuse God in the miracle of healing, we sometimes forget him. When, when, we're, when we're able to do, through the knowledge of medicine, some of the, some of the same things. And here's the thing, guys. It, it creates doubt and it creates disbelief in people. There are 
uh, uh, they are like Pharaoh in this moment, right? They, they see it as nothing new or amazing. After all, other people can do it, right? And this is where, like, like Pharaoh, our hearts get hard to the supernatural. You can, you can witness or experience things in such a way that if you're, if you're not careful, if you're not careful, guys, you're going to grow indifference to it. And I know I'm guilty of this at times. I've seen so many things in the church in the way of, of miracles that I'm not as, as, as amazed as I used to be or should be. I'm, I'm also guilty of getting, of getting cynical from time to time over the struggle between these two circumstances. For instance, I have witnessed the Shekinah glory before where the Lord came down in like a, a physical manifestation, almost like a fog that had rolled in, in the church. And I've also seen some of the best technological light and fog shows ever in the church that were spiritually surreal and were actually able to get an emotional response from me. Though I knew it wasn't the same thing my mind wanted it to be. Like I said, it isn't new. People mimic God in the days of Moses. And there are still people in the church today, guys, mimicking God today. And our goal is to be open to the things of God. That's, that's all I want to be, trying the spirit of it, right? Trying to, to discern it so that we can tell the difference as to what is of God and, and what, is, what is not. I think this is important, guys. First John 4, 1, John the apostle said this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. And, and, and that is what these Egyptian magicians are, guys. They are, they're false prophets for false gods. And, and we are not called to be a cynical people, and we must protect our hearts against such things, right? And we do this by being spiritually discerning. Moses' staff swallowed the other staffs, and yet Pharaoh didn't listen or pay attention. Pharaoh wasn't swayed. After all, his own magicians could do this. And I've got to wonder if that is why people are struggling to believe today. You ever think about it? I'm just, these are things that I think about, guys. We tell people about a God that can heal, and the world says, yeah, I got medicine. I got vaccines. I can heal, too. Right? We speak about the Spirit of God rolling in like a fog, like in the days of Solomon, right? or like the song, Show Me Your Glory, where it says flashes of light and, and rolls of thunder. And people simply reply that, you know, we have technology that can do all those things too. And, and here's the thing, they're seeing it in the church. We've, we've employed these things into the church, so it's easy to see how we end up having a hard time convincing people that our God is real and not just some simple magic or technological trick this all of this stuff works to harden the heart of those who witness such things and this becomes the reputation of pharaoh right look look back at chapter 7 at verse 14 there then the lord said to moses pharaoh's heart is hardened he refuses to let the people go go to pharaoh in the morning as he is going out to the water stand on the bank of the nile to meet him and take your hand the stat Take in your hand the staff that turned into a serpent, and you shall say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, sent me to you, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. But so far you've not obeyed. Thus says the Lord, By this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, with the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water that is in the Nile, and I shall turn it into blood. The fish in the Nile shall die, and the Nile will stink. 
and the Egyptians will grow weary of drinking water from the Nile. And the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their rivers, their canals and their ponds, and all their pools of water, so that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout the land of Egypt, even in the vessels of wood and in the vessels of stone. Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded. In the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants, he lifted up the staff and struck the water in the Nile, and all the water in the Nile turned into blood. And the fish in the Nile died, and the Nile stank, so that the Egyptians could not drink the water from the Nile. There was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. But the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts, so Pharaoh's heart remained hardened. He would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. Pharaoh turned and went into his house, and he did not take even this to heart. And all the Egyptians dug along the Nile for water to drink, for they could not drink the water of the Nile. Seven days, seven full days passed after the Lord had struck the Nile. Pharaoh's hardened heart gives him a disadvantage against the Lord. He can't really see who he is really up against. He still thinks he is fighting with Moses. That Moses has just gone away and, and kind of found out how to do things like his magicians know how to do. And so his hard heart blinds him to the truth. Once more, God uses the staff, right? The thing that's in Moses' hands to set forth the miracle. Moses strikes the water. All of it turns into blood. And not just what was in the river, but every bit of water in Egypt. Did you, did you hear that? Uh, the stuff from the wells, the stuff already in bowls and troughs, right? All of the water has turned into blood. And surely this would be it, right? This, the fish would, you know, the fish die. Everything is red and, it, and it's stinky. This is it, right? No. <laughs> Verse 22 records that the Egyptian magicians were able to do this too. Seriously? I mean, these guys are good, right? But is it so crazy? You know, every St. Patrick's Day, the city of Chicago turns the Chicago River green. It's not a lake. It's a river <laughs> that continually flows. I mean, I'm not sure of the kind of stuff you can put into a river that doesn't just wash out immediately, but they're able to put a substance into the water that it will keep it green for a few days. Once more, God's glory is downplayed because men can perform a similar feat. This doesn't remove the miracle of God. Listen, church, it just blinds men and women to the work of God. This is why I can be so dogmatic about things like this in the church. Over and over, we are shown a resilience to either mimic God or improve upon him. When we're not mimicking him with creating similar atmospheres that we've read about in the Bible, we are adding things into the service to supposedly improve the experience. Sometimes these things work hand in hand. I actually think that, that we think we're helping God. I mean, here's a, here's a few examples, right? Remember the sons of Aaron creating what the Bible called strange fire? They thought they would just add to the service by integrating in their own fire. These were the same men that experienced the God who had brought them out of the land of Egypt by a pillar of fire. And, and, you, and you thought you could substitute your own fire? This ended in the sons of Aaron dying. Remember David trying to bring back the Ark of the Covenant? It was meant to be carried, but he thought he would just bring it in a cart. This ended in a man dying, just, just trying to steady the Ark so it wouldn't fall off. When we fail to realize when we modify the way of God is, it usually costs us more than we realize. Not only is it physically dangerous, 
It's spiritually dangerous because there are more people that have lived by the grace of God for modifying God's way than have died. That doesn't mean God approves. It means that God is loving, grace-giving, and merciful. Here, we're, here, we, here we are, two signs in, and nothing has changed in the heart of Pharaoh. His heart, it, it isn't any better. It's still just as stubborn. And no matter how many signs Moses and Aaron show him, he just will not relent. And it reminds me of the Gospels in, in Mark 8. At verse 11, it says, The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, what does this generation, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went on to the other side. Listen, church, Jesus faced this same idea. Show me that God is God. To Pharaoh, God gave countless times to repent after showing him many signs, and yet his heart stayed hardened. In the Gospels, Jesus gives a sign after sign, and still there are countless people still asking for one. Unfortunately, like the Pharisees, no sign will be given, mainly because you can't accept the signs and wonders that are already out there. God doesn't need to prove to you He is God. If God chooses to show Himself to you, He does so sheerly because He desires to, not because He has to prove Himself. And the warning is this. That if we're not careful with how we approach following God and worshiping God and serving God, we might lead others to hardening themselves to God. Let me say that one more time, because church, there are people that need to hear this. And the warning is this, that if we're not careful with how we approach following God and worshiping God and serving God, we might lead others to hardening themselves to God. This is why we deeply self-reflect upon the words we use to witness upon the means by which we worship god publicly why we question how we even set up the room why we discuss miracles and how we pray all of it is on the table for discussion yes we want to do all of it in a way that honors god but also in a way that draws men and women to god we want the world to be drawn to god and I am of the belief that Jesus doesn't really need our help so much to do that. However, I would, I would like to not be an obstruction either. I don't want to be like the Pharisees and try the patience of God in such matters. I know I personally want to present God in a way for people to see him as he really is. Caring and, and loving and full of grace and mercy. He's just and full of power and able to heal and grow and lift up and provide a future. Right? I, I don't want to do anything that would somehow detour anyone from that view of God. I, I want them to spiritually see and hear and their heart to not be hardened. I want them to fully come to know the God of the Bible. And that is the banner of the church. It is why we do what we do. It might seem as if we are just small, that, that, that we are just so small that we will... Uh, you know, maybe one day move into a more fancy version, something more like what we see today, but you would be mistaken. I think God can make much of our small thing. I think he does it all the time in the Bible. I mean, look at Gideon. Look at David. You look at half the stuff. The Jews are the small people. I think God does more than we give him credit for, and I think oftentimes we miss him. My prayer for you this morning is that you not miss him that you not miss him, you not be fooled by the things that your heart has seen and the folly of men as they try to mimic the things of the Bible inside the church. 
but that you see God for who he really is, plain and simple. You hear the gospel plain and simple. That is my heart for you this morning. Let's pray. Lord, remove the scales from our eyes like the Apostle Paul, God. Give us new sight, God, that we may see you and know you fully in the scriptures, God. And Lord, let us fall in love with you all over again. That's our heart's cry this morning. That's our battle cry this morning, God, that we see you fully as you are, God. And we accept it in Jesus' name. And guys, let me tell you something. I know as a matter of fact that God loves you. And so do I. I love you too, guys. You have a great morning.